Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. Good to have with us today a, a, a gentleman from this area, Mr. Charles Birchfield. Thank you for taking the time to come in and visit with us as we uh, continue to interview our veterans uh, on our program. Thank you for coming in. Okay. Uh, and I think we probably need to mention that you're uh, Sally Doty's yeah. dad as well. So just you know, right. give Sally a little political plug there. <laughs> um, as you know, with the program that we're doing, we're, we're interviewing our vets and, uh, and, and, th- and saying thank you for what you've done for our country. Um, you actually served in the Korean conflict. Is that correct, Ms. That's Birchfield? Right. Okay. Um, now, you've, you've recently moved to Brookhaven. You've been in Brookhaven four years, four years now. Mm-hmm. So where were you when the uh, Korean conflict actually started? It was in Tallah County. Matala County, up in Miss, North Mississippi, right. well, Central uh, Mississippi. Central Mississippi. Excuse me. Uh, and you were you were in the uh, in the guard. I understand. Is that correct? Well, I was drafted. Oh, you got drafted. Okay. I was drafted, and we went to Fort Chaffee for the introduction. And I, I don't know how I got in the tank. Uh, we took a series of tests, and some of them said you had to make a certain grade in the test to get in the tank unit and I put in a tank unit we were sent to Camp Polk for basic training. Okay. There was 26 of us from Mississippi. Really? Okay. Uh, now Camp Polk was where you did your basic training? Did our or, basic. All right, when did you actually, where did you go to do your training in the in being part of a tank crew? Well, we started in Camp Polk. Oh, you did? Okay. It was a tank unit. Okay. And, uh, of course, they had just the basic background, I mean, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to do all, you might say, help. Well, actually, I helped with some of the training. Okay. So what uh, were you doing before you were drafted? What I, kind of work were you I doing? I was working at, with the State Highway Department. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I... That so, get, Gave me a break on the tank because the tank had drill, drove about halfway between a truck and a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comparison. I've never thought about it like yeah. that. Well, now you're you're the first vet that we've had in in the in here to interview that was actually a part of a tank crew, and I yeah. I, w- I could see where it would take. You know, the infantry was important, but the, the tank commander, the tank crew, they had some pretty specialized tasks and, and training that they had to go through. And, uh, you know, I've always thought if I was going to go in combat, I'd want to be in a tank because at least That's I right. couldn't get shot with a bullet. But there were all kinds of weapons that were out there that were designed to deal with tanks. And you were kind of yeah. a sitting ta- sitting duck, not a sitting tank, but a sitting duck because you couldn't move very fast. What was the speed of the tanks that they were, you were driving back then? Well, the top speed on a level ground and all was 35 miles an hour. But normally, in that kind of terrain, mm-hmm. four or five, maybe six miles an hour. Wow. And we see the things now with the new tanks that are out there, mm-hmm. the new the new uh, high-tech tanks the Army and, the, and yeah. the service is using to drive at 50 and 55 miles an hour and 60 miles an hour. It's unbelievable. It can actually fire while they're moving and acquire targets. Yeah. 
it's pretty high tech compared to what you guys were using in Korea. Well, we couldn't because that, that tank is a direct fire, just like you're shooting a rifle. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to be sitting still. Sitting still. Which made you a pretty good target, too. Right. All right. Well, let's, let's, before we get into the actual application of what you were doing, you finished your training there at Fort Polk. And did they, did they send you straight on to Korea at that time? No. They, well, I went to Fort Knox to take some specialized training. Mm-hmm. Stayed up there 13, 14 weeks. Now, I think Fort Knox is a, a, training, a training center for armored. Right. I've been to Fort Knox. Big base. Really that's nice. That's right. That's where they got all the money, too. Okay, so you were at Fort Knox about how right. long? About 13, 14 weeks. Okay. And so yeah. after that? After that, I had a delay in route. The, the division left Camp Polk and went to Japan Okay. for advanced training. And I had a delay in route and went then to Japan from okay. Camp Polk. Okay. Now... Now, you went over there, went to Japan from the States, uh, I, I would imagine, by ship. Yes, sir. A troop, troop ship? Troop, or what, troop. did you actually have your tank assigned to you then, or did you get your tank when you got to Korea? Well, we got, got our tanks assigned in Japan. In Japan, okay. We carried our tanks from Japan to Korea. Okay. So you, uh, you uh, the trip from the United States over to Japan. I would imagine in a, in a tank, I mean, in a crew, I mean, a, a ship full of, of men was not a, probably a short trip. It was approximately 18 to 20 days. I, I'm not too sure just exactly. What y'all do for 18 to 20 days? Just sit around and look at each sit, other? Right. <laughs> well, some of us uh, actually went up on the deck and played blackjack, and whoever won the blackjack had to buy uh, ice cream for everybody. Oh my so goodness! So actually, you never did win anything. You just, just, <laughs> just well paying for ice Got cream, some ice killing cream. time. Neat. Yeah, and I imagine you had a lot of time those days. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're in Japan. Uh, you get your further advanced training, and then right. you're sent to Korea. Sent to Korea. All right. Now, I've I've talked to several Korean veterans, and and we've we've got to start by talking about the weather. Uh, the terrain is pretty rough. A lot of folks right. may not realize there's a lot of mountainous area. It's rocky, almost a, almost not a, really a desert, but a lot of mm-hmm. rough area that would be a challenge for a tank to uh, maneuver in. Did you did you were you guys assigned to that kind of location? Yes, sir. A lot, of rough ground. a lot of rough ground. What was yeah. the weather like there? And the weather was cold. <laughs> that's an understatement. Uh, that's right. Uh-huh. The day we went up on the line was Christmas Day of 51. And it rained, sleeted, and snowed, and froze over. Everything froze that night. Mm. And the well, little, little, little old heater we were supposed to have had, it was a cold, put it on the ground, it, it, it dripped, it used diesel fuel for, to, to burn, to heat it. Right. And it wouldn't burn. My goodness. So it was that cold. It was that cold. Now, I would think also, and there's a lot of folks in our community, in our area, who love to, you know, dicker with tractors and backhoes and, and, and dozers. The weather had to create major issues for you guys in a tank. I mean, you had to, yes. the maintenance on that tank, you had to be, I mean, your fuel. Uh, it was probably diesel, if I'm correct. No, it was gas. It, it was regular it was gas, gas, okay. 
And uh, I mean, was it an air cooled engine, or I mean, did no, you have? It was. So you a regular conventional engine. engine no. Okay, and you had a lot. Was there a lot of maintenance involved because of the weather? A lot of preventative issues? Well, you had done a lot of that before you went over there. Okay. And it had everything up to par. Then you just keep it up there. Okay. You check, check the oil, check the battery, check the water and everything. Took you about 30, 40 minutes before every day. It was an everyday job whether you were going to go out to do anything or not. Just make sure because if it needed That's to be right. operating right, it needed to be done. You didn't have time to do it if something happened. All right, now, how big a crew did your tank have and what type of tank were you on? I was uh, on M4 with a A3 gun, E8 uh, recoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was five of us in the crew. Five crew. Now, five what crew. what positions were there in the tank? There was a driver, the assistant driver, loader, and the gunner. Okay, and then the and then the, and then the commander and then the tank commander. Now, I understand that after all the training and everything, they placed you. I'm sure because you you scored so well and training came out so good, you were actually the tank commander in your crew. Yes, I was commander practically the whole time through. Now, just what did the, what did the tank commander do? Were you the guy that kept his head stuck out of the uh, the top of the tank, looking around? <laughs> he he's the target. He's, he's the target. The, he's the guy that stands up and looks around and makes sure everything is going. And if a certain targets, he picks them out and all. Now, we were talking just briefly, and I've, I've done a little reading and research about uh, the, the role of the tank in Korea. And because of the terrain, a lot of it, sometimes there was tanks used for reconnaissance, but in mm-hmm. most cases, the tanks were used in support of infantry. Is that correct? That's right. So when those guys went into battle, you were just supporting them. Right. Uh, the people ahead of us had taken care of their armor for us okay so okay you know, we didn't have any armor to worry with it's just you hoped yeah well you know, that's right we hoped and and we didn't well we were actually loaded with some armor piercing ammunition but in other words if you came in contact with enemy tanks or armored vehicles you had the type had, of round that was necessary right. to deal with them Wow! See, there you have a personnel explode uh, round that when it hits, it explodes and shrapnel goes everywhere. Right. And that's basically what we use most time backing up the infantry. Okay. They would. Well, we're coming infantry, up. Infantry go as far as they could go, and they'd stop and say, "We need you to hit so and so." Gotcha. Now I've always I've been around a few tanks and heard them run and this sort of thing, but I've I've got to, I've never quite been able to talk to anybody that could tell me what was it like inside the tank with that rascal running. Was it loud? Not too loud. It, it had a semi muffler back and the exhaust went out the back. And all of y'all wore headphones to communicate right. with one another. 
Right. Interesting. Well, we're, yeah. we're visiting today with Mr. Charles, Charles Birchfield, uh, Brookhaven resident, sharing his experiences in Korea uh, as a tank commander. And uh, we'll be right back in just a few minutes after this break. Well, welcome back. We're glad to have with us today Mr. Charles Birchfield, resident of Brookhaven, uh, father of Sally Doty. And he's been very gracious to come in and share with us his ex some of his experiences in, uh, in Korea during the Korean conflict. And he was uh, a tank commander. Very interesting. Uh, the first gentleman, first vet that we've had in that was actually in a tank crew. He's been sharing some stories. Now, there's so much about tanks a lot of people may not know and one of the things that you were talking about mr birchfield uh that was really interesting was the fact that tanks always worked in pairs right now tell us a little bit about what the thinking was behind always having two tanks together well you always had to have two tanks close together so uh if the chinese happened to push the infantry back to where they could get to you tank they get on the tank and try to drop hand grenades in the engine compartment or any hatch they could get open. Mm. So that way we always had another tank close where we could he, if they could fire on them and get, shoot them off. So they could, actually, they could actually fire at your tank That's because right. of the armament. They couldn't, right. didn't hurt anything or injure anybody, but you could keep the, the Chinese, which you said uh, during oh. your time, most of that's who you were fighting was the right. Chinese army. And as they would get on the tank trying to find a way to get a grenade into the tank, the other tank, your partner, your other one in the pair, would, would, would shoot them off of the tank or try to keep them off the tank. Uh, they were using a thirty caliber machine gun. Mm -hmm. And it, it had a direct fire, too, just like the other. And so they... And I think okay. you said this happened to you several times. The Chinese overran the infantry, and before you guys could back out of there, you were overrun by the right. Chinese, and that's why the having the tanks as pairs, you were able to protect one another. Well, we never did think about backing out. <laughs> you stayed there and, and, and until and the infantry took, could regroup. Man, let the infantry come back up. Wow, uh, that's, I bet that got pretty uh, pretty hairy at times. It did. And most time you get a tank in the area, the Chinese would leave. So that was one of the, to our benefit. To our advantage. Now, we were talking just a little bit. You were telling me a little story, an incident that happened to you where you, you were given an assignment that nobody else could accomplish uh, to recover a tank that had kind of gotten slid off the road. you got to tell us that story about how that happened and how you guys were able to recover that tank. Well, how it happened, I'm not sure. I wasn't. It was another platoon's mm -hmm. tank. But anyway, it got off of the road and was sideways on a slope about 50 degrees. And, of course, you know, that's getting close to where it'll roll over. Roll over. Right. And uh, the company commander sent some people out there to get it out and got Two or three killed, some more mm. wounded, mm. and uh, of course the Chinese were zeroed in on the area with mortar, because they used mortar most of the time on stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And company commander sent and got me, and sent. I went over there and looked at it. It didn't seem like such a problem then. All he had to do was just hook a cable to the tank and. Pull it around 
to where it'd be looking uphill instead of sideways. Right. So we went out there and did that. And it was sort of a touch-and-go situation after a few minutes. We did you rev up any engine and they threw mortar in on you as they heard the engines they, they heard, would just shoot at the engine that's truck. right they they wasn't in sight see the mortar they'd shoot behind right. from behind mm -hmm. the hill mm -hmm. and uh they would you rev the engine up where they fired mortar in the area so i i had mine to ease up there idle not not rev the engine up back up to where the cable would reach, hook the cable to it. And I told my the boys whenever I say go, uh, well, the other tank driver had cranked his tank up and had it sitting there with it idle. I said, have them in gear. And let's, uh, both of you, let's go up and get pull it up straight off it. And did, and got the tank out. My goodness. My goodness. Well, quite yeah. a feat. That's amazing. And it's interesting that the company commander would come to you and ask you to volunteer for that task. Well, he was sort of a new man on our old company commander. He got wounded mm -hmm. and left. Mm -hmm. This man come in. He didn't know too much. And he said, well, he talked to some of them, and some of them said that if anybody did it, I could. And of course it did. It, you, it didn't, didn't create too much of a problem. Just doing your job, doing right. it right. So you were in Korea for almost a year and a half. Is that well, roughly? I was in Korea from 19th day of December of 51 to September of 52. Oh, okay. 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 I don't remember exact date when we sure. left. It was somewhere around the middle of September. Not quite a year. Okay. And most of that time you were up front supporting infantry in your tank. Right. Uh, I, I certainly hope none of your crew was ever injured or anything during this time. We, it wasn't. Uh, we never got anybody injured. Uh, the company and the whole company, we only lost two men. And it, mm. tank, tank, so one of them backed the tank off in a bum crater that turned over. Mm. Let me ask you this. What size gun did you tell me? I can't remember. What size was the main main gun was a 75 millimeter okay that's a pretty good yeah. size round how often how quick could you reload and fire how how many rounds oh about two rounds a minute goodness because i see you had the loader that, that he was ready as soon as it recoiled gotcha. and ejected the gotcha yeah well then he's ready to put you another round in now the going off the actually when you fired the round, I would imagine that made a little noise. It did. It made a lot of noise. <laughs> and if you were firing a bunch of them, I would imagine your ears probably rang for a little while. And the recoil was bad enough that a lot of times it would move the tank back a few inches. My goodness. And okay. Wow. So you served almost a year in in Korea as a tank commander right. and uh, saw an awful lot of combat. It sounds like and and, and supported the infantry. Um, and after, I guess, that was a, just a, your tour of duty, right. you were shipped back to the States. Right. Did you stay in the service or in the guard, or what did you no, end up sir. doing then, Mr. Charles? Uh, you seen enough? I, I'd, I'd seen enough. In fact, they offered me uh, 
rating higher than what I had to join the guard. Really? And I thanked them and told them, well. No, thank you. No, thanks. The, the weather, we were talking earlier about how, how bad it was over there. Where did, did you guys, you didn't sleep in your tank. What did you, uh, where did you sleep? Did you have tents that tents. you put up tents? We had tents. And uh, when we were up front, the tent was when you came back from maintenance and everything. Okay. When you were up front, you didn't sleep. Oh, well, we had some bunkers. Uh-huh. And then at night, one crew would stay up on a guard and the other sleep. How'd you get fuel? Because I know those things probably didn't get very many miles per gallon. Did trucks bring you fuel, or did you have to go back and we get fuel? We had to go back and get and fuel. And get fuel. I was supposed to say, they held, I want to say 80 gallons of fuel. Mm-hmm. Got about four miles a gallon. Goodness. It's, Goodness gracious. So, you know, the, you were limited as the distance as you went. Wow. Uh, what about your food? You get a lot of square meals, a lot of hot meals, or, or in, uh, <laughs> you probably didn't get K rations? or <laughs> It depended on where you was at. I got you. I was at one place and got one hot meal a day. Okay. And the rest of the time you had K rations and all. But there's, there's, and you're glad to get that. Yes, sir. What unit were you in while you were in Korea? I was in the 179th Infantry Tank. Infantry Tank Division. Interesting. Mr. Charles, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time and making the effort to come in today. And as we've been doing, this is all about the celebration of our 10th anniversary for the Military Museum that we've got here in Brookhaven. And, and uh, we've been interviewing a vet uh, every week. And we're going to up till November the 11th. And uh, it has been such an honor treat for me to sit down and hear you guys tell these stories. But I just got, I have got to say, as I say to all of them, Mr. Charles, thank you for your service to your country. Thank you for your willingness to do the job that you were asked to do and doing it as well as you did. So, uh, again, on behalf of a grateful nation, thank you, Mr. Birchfield, for what you did in Korea. Well, we think we did a good job. If a had left us alone on that two more months, we wouldn't have the problem we got. We wouldn't have the problem there now. Mm. They don't always listen to the military a lot of times. Well, it has been a treat for me to have you, Mr. Charles, and uh, we're honored that you're a, a part of our Brookhaven family and community now, and uh, we're glad Miss Sally's down here, and uh, we're going to keep her in the fight. Good. So uh, we're, we are, again, thank you for coming in today. Thank you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.